Proverbs chapter 8 is where we are. If you can turn to Proverbs chapter 8. And this is our 19th week in the study of the book of Proverbs. And if you're new to Calvary Chapel, anytime we gather together, we're traveling through a uh, book of the Bible, chapter by chapter and verse by verse, which is wonderful because we're allowing the Bible to speak and that we get to see the scripture in context and apply it to our lives um, as opposed to only you receiving topicals, which, um, uh, you know, can kind of leave you to connect all of those dots and to figure it out. And so we we're really um, seeking to hear what God says through his word. And so we have landed this week in chapter eight. Um, we're going to pick it up in verse one. We're going to read the first 11 verses and then we are going to back up and see, well, we made it. We really made it to verse eight first service. And when we we sprinted from nine to 11, so we'll have to go back next week and and uh, pick up a little bit more. But if you're there, Proverbs chapter eight, verse one, please say amen. amen. Does not wisdom cry out and understanding lift up her voice? She takes her stand on the top of the high heel besides the way where the paths meet. She cries out by the gate at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. To you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. O you simple ones, understand prudence, and you fools, be of an understanding heart. Listen, for I will speak of excellent things, and from the opening of my mouth, of, of my lips, excuse me, will come right things. For my mouth will speak truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies. And all the things one may desire cannot be compared to her. So, Father, we do thank you this morning, Lord God. And I do pray, Father, that you would uh, remove all things from our hearts and our minds now of this world, this life, uh, Lord God, and even distractions from the room, that we may clearly hear what you have to say, Lord God. I pray that you would help with that as when the word goes forth, the enemy seeks to steal immediately, Lord God. And so in some supernatural way, we pray that by faith, Lord God, you would take our hearts and our minds and make them attentive to what you have to say, even more than, than maybe before in the past, that we would hear something today that we need and continue to grow thereby. Lord, we love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so as we approach chapter 8, um, it's very interesting as we've been looking at these things that we, we hear so often um, throughout the book of Proverbs, these other voices. In chapter 2, we heard the, the group of sinners uh, trying to entice Solomon's kids, the young men, like saying, come and follow us as they go out to do wickedness. And we've been hearing of the strange woman all the way through. She's lurking um, and trying to catch. Her words are smooth and, and like honey, and they're sweet and they're smooth. And she's trying to destroy the life of a young man. The strange man is trying to destroy the life of a young woman. 
And speaking of that, today in the tweens room, the tweens teachers are teaching in Proverbs chapter 7 because they also started Proverbs. It wasn't meant to be, but they're following kind of behind. And so they're teaching chapter 7, and they were like, man, we got to teach chapter 7. Y'all remember chapter 7? And they needed prayer. And we lifted that thing up in prayer this morning because what we realize is that more than ever before, chapter 7 is extremely important to a group of 11-year-olds. Who could have thought? Because they're being told by everybody in their lives, in the public media arena, and even some in the school system, that their gender is up for choice. And so, and, and sexuality is, is being put before them at a very young age in the wrong kind of ways. And so these tween teachers, we realized that we needed to encourage them that you must go over and deliver the truth with boldness and, and, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And even if the parents disagree with what the word says about those things, those men have to stand their ground over there and pour into those young people. And so they're teaching it. Satan's kingdom, his host of wicked ones are watching and coming around trying to snare and devour. Media is loud. The flesh is lusting after what it wants. And there are constant voices calling us. Yet chapter 8 reminds us that God is also calling and reaching out to us and desiring to lead us beside still waters to restore our soul, to lead us in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though we are walking through this valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear for he is with us and his rod and staff are comforting us. Of course, most of you know I was kind of alluding to Psalm 23. With all of those loud voices, chapter 8 is trying to say to us that God is actually still calling out out and his voice is still crystal clear for those who are listening and so as we look at it in verse one notice it says does not wisdom cry out I love that wait a minute everybody else has a voice your favorite political party has a voice your favorite YouTube prophet or whatever has a voice everybody's got a voice and an opinion and something to say about everything that's going on in our lives and, and what we should be doing with everything, our lives, our marriages, our finances, and, 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 and our sex life, all the stuff that they're saying about all of those things. And the Bible is saying, but look, is wisdom not crying out? Does, does the word of God have a voice? And absolutely, we know that it does. And I love this because you might say, well, wait, Pastor Kevin, look, I could use some of that wisdom, but I'm not hearing anything from the Lord right now. Well, it's interesting that the word cry here in verse 1 is this Hebrew word, kara. It, it's it's uh, strong 7121 if you're taking notes. It's Q-A-R-A, but it's pronounced K-A-W-R-O-W. I'm giving you that because it's hard for me to pronounce it because, you know, I'm assuming that anybody from the Middle East would pronounce it in such a way that it would sound like they were hocking something up out of the, the you know, <laughs> And that's the re- and, and the, the, the lady who goes to church here who is Hebrew and speaks Hebrew, it always comes out like that. I can't make that sound. So I just, you know, I gave you that information. But it means, listen, it means to call out, to recite, to read, to proclaim, to preach, to invite, to bid one to come. In other words, it's exactly what's happening as you're sitting there and I'm standing here right now. We've read. And, and there's, there's preaching and proclaiming. 
And there will be an invitation by the Holy Spirit for you to receive these truths. In other words, is that which we understand that God is calling out to us from his word, even as we sit here right now under the teaching of the word. But then the same thing happens when you are alone with the Lord and you're seeking the wisdom of God and you're calling out to him. He wants to speak. He is speaking. And so this first point we're making here in verse 1 through 3 is that God's wisdom is abundant because as she's crying out and making herself available, meaning wisdom, meaning the words of God, we learn that God desires you to explore, to find his wisdom. So he made it very, very abundant as we're going to see as we go through this. Very abundant. It's not a lack of it. The problem is not that God's word is lacking or God's word is not abundant or God's word can't be found or can't be heard. No, it's, it's there, but are we listening and are we searching for it? It's abundant. When I was, I was thinking about this, for some reason, I thought about seashells. Y'all just bear with me. I don't know why, but I got to go with it. I was praying. I was like, Lord, help me out. I don't know. I need something for tomorrow, and I'm crying out to him because wisdom cries out to me, but I cry right back. Lord, help. Give me words. And I was thinking about seashells. When I was a kid, we, we, we had what was called um, authentic beaches, meaning real, real old school beaches, not like the commercial beaches of the day. Like if you go to Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach is a commercial beach. South Beach in Florida is a commercial beach, meaning if you go to Virginia Beach, there's at least 150 yards between the boardwalk and the water. South Beach is even bigger because they're designed for entertainment, for concerts and stuff and competitions. But when you come back into North Carolina and you go over there to Nags Head and Kitty Hawk and Topsail Island and different places where you still got to go over to Sand Dune with the little picket fence and the grass to get out to the beach. And when I was a kid, we would go sit out there. And when the sun's going down, we had a little, little sand... Uh, Little sand crabs would, would tickle your feet in, in, in the evening, you know. Anybody remember those? Not many? Yeah. And, and, and so, but now these commercial beaches, you can't even find shells. But I remember just a regular old authentic beach where it would just be littered with all kinds of seashells. And we would always pick them up. I always came home with seashells. My kids still have seashells. And you pick those seashells up and, and you are amazed by them. And, and when I think about that, listen, in some way, listen, as we go through this life, it is littered with the wisdom of God, but we're not paying attention to it. In fact, he speaks when you're reading and the Holy Spirit opens the scripture to you and pours it into you. When you're seeking, when you're praying, when you're asking, he's trying to pour wisdom into us. And there are things that cause or hinder that process, which we'll get into in just a moment. Or when you're talking with another believer and the Holy Spirit uses them, they may not even know it, to say something to you from the Lord that speaks directly to your spirit. That's called fellowship, by the way. That happens in fellowship. That's why it's so important. In fact, Proverbs 18, and I know I've quoted it before, says this on the screen. you got to know this. It says, Proverbs 18, verse 1 says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He has a problem, which we're going to come back to several times. And notice, rages against all wise judgment. In other words, the man who seeks his own will, who's actually not seeking the wisdom of God anymore, he don't want to hear the wisdom of God because it conflicts with what he, he desires. And so, therefore, he's afraid to come back into fellowship because he knows that the wisdom of God is contrary to whatever is going on in him. But God is trying to speak. His wisdom is there. Notice in verse 2, this abundant wisdom is stationed in your life, actually. Notice she takes her stand on the top of the high hill, literally in the heights, in the high places. In other words, she's positioned so that we can find her. 
And I don't think we, we understand that. She's stationed, positioned. It means that she is there for you to recognize and interact with her, but we often miss her. For instance, we talk a lot about finances in Proverbs chapter, uh, uh, in various chapters, chapter 6 to be 1. And how often do we make financial mistakes not taking advantage of the wisdom that's right before us, whether it's found in the scripture or it's found amongst brothers and sisters within the body of Christ who have a proven track record of managing money the right way. We want to go talk to folks who are in debt up to their eyeballs. And what do you think? I don't want to know what they think. They have nothing to say, you know. Um, no, it's right there. Or we talk about marriage. Listen, if you got a marriage and you're young, you don't necessarily learn what to do from your peers. You learn it from the couple that's been married 40 years and still holding hands when they come to church. Well, they got something to say, and let's talk to them, you know. She, she looks, she wants to be very active in your life, wisdom, the word of God. Notice as we go on, it says here that beside the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand on a high hill beside the path where, where the paths meet. In other words, she's right there. You ain't even got to really search far for her. Notice she cries out by the gates at the entry of the city, at the entrance of the doors. Very interesting wording, the gates, the entrance of the city, the entrance of the doors. The gates in the Bible speak of um, a public place where a lot of things took place as it related to, to uh, uh policy and decisions and business and marketplace and all of these various things that are going on, all these important things within the city took place in that area near the gates. Um, and even remember, it speaks of the authority of a city. Jesus says that upon this rock, the confession that I'm the Christ, I will build my church in the gates of hell. Y'all remember that? Shall not prevail against them. So it's a big deal in a sense. So he's saying where everything that is important takes place, she's positioned there. What does that mean? It means this, that in your life in its entirety, the wisdom of God is crying out. Where, Pastor Kevin? Well, on the job, in your business, in the classroom, in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the marketplace where you're shopping, where you, when you're in the car riding on the way, when you're in your home, in all of these various places, she's trying to be involved. She's not just an academic thing that you find in a textbook. Or only when your head is physically in the Bible reading, but to be worked out and used and applied in every application of life. God desires, his wisdom is crying out to you in everything. And the problem is sometimes it's the things that we think we're experts in or we know where we least are likely to listen to his wisdom. Because of a degree on our wall in a particular area, we think that we got that. Or well, we know that, and we may not be listening to the wisdom of the Lord, but the wisdom of God is crying out to you right now where you're lacking. And even in the things that you think you can do, that you think you have a handle on, wisdom is crying out, saying, hey, why, why don't we go over that thing? Why don't we talk about that thing? Why don't we spend some time on that thing? Why? Because, look, God wants you to then settle down and go to him and talk with him and let him show you a way. That's for that very moment. It may be different from the last time you did that thing. I mean, you know, God has some creative ways of doing things that we ain't never thought about before. You read through the Bible, you see it all the time. And sometimes when I cry out to the Lord, the Lord, will, he'll put the halts on something and say, wait, wait, don't do that. Don't do that right now. You just wait and pray and God will show you a way that's even better and just blow your mind. Wisdom is crying out for you in every area 
of your life and everything that you're dealing with. And wisdom is the word of God and even personified as the Lord Jesus himself as we go through this. Second point is that God's wisdom is for everyone as we pick it up in verse 4. Verse 4 says, To you, O men, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of men. And so therefore God is he's making his wisdom available to all and really all humanity. You can say, well, what about the non-believer, Pastor Kevin? Is God's wisdom for the non-believer? Absolutely. God's wisdom for the non-believer is don't continue to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, but surrender to him and be saved and have your sins forgiven so that you don't spend eternity separated from him in torment. That's wisdom. I would say, isn't that wisdom? <laughs> it's the gospel message. But for those of us who believe, and particularly, the wisdom is for us. And that's what we're going to see. It. It's for all of us. Notice as we go in this thing, verse 5 says, and you simple ones. Now, the issue in wisdom being for everyone and wisdom being made abundantly available to everyone, there's no question about that. But the issue, here's the thing. The, the main point of all of it is, are you teachable? And I think that's what we're going to have to wrestle with now. Are you teachable? You know, he continues in this to talk about, if you look at it, oh, you simple ones understand prudence, and you fools be of an understanding heart. And he keeps talking about understanding prudence and being of an understanding heart. And both of them imply learning from that which is being taught. And so, we all need to be open to learning and growing in the things of God. And this is a big deal that we need to discuss, which means that God is trying to teach us things, but we need to be open to that truth. We need to be teachable. In other words, look, prudence, I love this word. Notice it says in verse 5, to, uh, oh, you simple ones, understand prudence. Now, the interesting thing is that here the simple ones is not an insult. It implies those who are naive or lack wisdom or understanding in a particular area. And so for that person, for that one, he says, um, understand prudence. Prudence means a bit of shrewdness. And I love this as a contrast here. In other words, someone who is simple and without understanding in a particular area, the Bible is saying that the wisdom of God will make them very shrewd in that very area as if they had the wisdom because the wisdom comes from the Lord. The Bible says if any, look, remember back in chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning. Remember that? We see that throughout Scripture. And if anybody lacks, it says, let them ask of God who gives freely. So therefore, there are times when you may be in situations where you actually don't know how to handle a, a task or a situation that you are put into, and you have to call upon the wisdom of God, and God is saying, that's all I really wanted. I'm going to show you how to do this thing, or I'm going to put somebody from the body of Christ in your corner who is going to coach you, and either way, you're going to get what you don't have so you can actually do what I've put in front of you, and God loves to see that happen. God wants to see you operate at a level that's higher than your own ability. Well, that's basically what the Holy Spirit coming upon us is all about anyway. Because you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses because otherwise you wouldn't be anything but a goof off. That's what Scripture basically implies. You watch Peter. Peter's a, basically Peter's messing up all the way until, bam, Pentecost. Now Peter's leading 3,000 to Christ and, 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 and doing all kinds of stuff. The wisdom of God is upon him. So in other words, you don't have what you need. But God wants to bestow it upon you. Now, I'm going to tell you when I learned this. 
I learned this. I'm not a guy who went to seminary, grew up being really good all of his life, got out of high school, went to seminary, and then went into full-time ministry. No, I did it all the other way. I, I, I learned these things in secular workforce in places like where you're going to go tomorrow, where I had to call upon the Lord because I didn't know quite what and how, and I had to rely on him, and he would bestow upon me that which I didn't have within myself. And the wisdom goes beyond just understanding the things. It even implies discernment about things that are not clear and people that you're dealing with that you don't quite know who you trust and who you shouldn't. I mean, arriving at work, swiping the badge, getting into the parking lot, pulling into a parking space and opening up the Bible and just saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this today. I need you. I got an employment evaluation with my boss. I got to do employee evaluations with my employees. I got these meetings and this going on and these requirements and these reports and all of this stuff that's happening. And the only reason I'm really here is because I got a family that I care about and all those things are happening and you're calling upon the Lord, whether you sit wherever you are, whatever you're doing. I look around the room. I see truck drivers, police officers, school teachers, all kinds of folks, IT people, programmers, college students, contractors, you know, retired folks, all of us, stay-at-home moms, all of them. I'm looking around. I'm seeing all of these people. And yet, how I do what I do is not based upon a degree that's on a wall or letters behind my name or what I think I might know or what mama taught me. Some of that stuff is really good. But even in the midst of that, it's, Lord, how would you have me do it? Which way should I go? How should I deal with this situation? Wisdom is crying out to us, and we have to begin to learn how to listen to it. Notice the next part of verse 5. Maybe we could kind of maybe taper off the AC a little bit. It says in verse 5, it says, um, And you fools, be of an understanding heart. And I love this. You fools, be of an understanding heart. Now, hold on a minute. I want to tell you a little bit about because fool comes up quite a bit in the book of Proverbs. And the Proverbs says a lot about fools. And we need to watch out for fools. The Bible says that fools refuse knowledge. Proverbs 122 says, How long? You simple ones, will you love simplicity for scorners delight in their scorning and fools, what y'all, hate knowledge. And fools bring destructions on themselves. Uh, Proverbs 132 says, for the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. Complacency of fools. Fools aren't seeking wisdom. They hate knowledge. They're complacent. They're not looking for anything. They're not growing. They're not trying to find out what God has and what's best. And not only do they destroy themselves, they destroy those around them. Proverbs 13, 20 says, he who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companions of fools will be destroyed. If you recognize that you're around a fool, get away from them. And that's what it says next. Proverbs 14, 7 says, go from the presence of foolish men when you do not perceive in them the lips of knowledge. So the Bible says a lot, especially in the book of Proverbs, about the dangers of being a fool or hanging around a fool. But I want you to understand this. Listen, here it is. We often just equate this with a lack of intelligence, and that's not necessarily what it's saying. In fact, the word in the Hebrew, in, in the Hebrew there, it means an arrogant one. And it's not necessarily one who lacks intelligence, but that in their pride and arrogance, they defy God. 
The Bible says that the fool says in his heart that there is no God. But actually, what it's simply saying is that because the Bible says, look, that all creation displays God. Everyone knows that there's a God. The fool is actually rejecting God and defying him and saying no to God. In fact, the fool can have a Ph.D. degree, Ph.D. degree hanging on the wall and be a fool that's about to perish. And so the fool is actually closing his heart, hardening his heart towards God. And this is very dangerous because the fool thinks that they don't need any wisdom from God. And so as believers, we need to be very careful, very careful. Because one of the reasons why we as believers don't receive the things that we go to the Lord for often is because, and we don't receive the wisdom of God that we need, is because we reproach God having already determined and made up in our hearts and our minds what we want and how we want and what time and, and how it should be done. And the Bible says that whatever we ask in his name, according to his will, he hears us and we receive those things. And then we see, is that a contrast or a conflict in Scripture? No. You see, here's the issue. We even construct our prayers around what we want, never humbling ourselves and putting our, our, our desires aside and truly, listen, truly seeing what God desires. So our relationship with God becomes like some marriages that are on the rocks, having bad communication. And we don't even consider that the issue is, is not that God is not listening or God is not caring or God doesn't want to make a change, but that we, listen, we are not even really communicating with him. Because the truth is, is this. Communication is twice as much dependent upon listening as it is talking. And so when we go before God, how are we constructing our prayers? Are we just talking at God and telling God? Or are we praying, having a conversation with him, which requires a whole lot of listening, which we don't often like to do? The Bible says this, James chapter 4 Verses 1 through 3 says, where do wars and fights come from among you? I like James. Y'all know these verses. He hits it right on the head. Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? We all have desires. We all have what we want. and We understand those things. And, and it says, you lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. And then he says, and you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it upon your pleasures. And I think James identifies uh, a core issue. So listen, check this out. Unless I approach God, having put myself aside and simply cast my cares upon him, the Bible says cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. So unless I've put myself aside, cast my cares upon him while being open to whatever he would say or instruct, unless I'm doing that, I'm not praying to God. I'm actually fighting with God and don't even realize it. And I think we got to really back up for a moment. And I got to challenge you because I have to challenge myself in this because I'm guilty. Guys, it's like this. It's like when your wife is upset with you and you don't even know why and you're oblivious to why. Um, why you don't know what you did. <laughs> We've all done that. And, and, and so in this same respect, we do that with God. We say and use spiritual language like, well, I prayed about it. I've been talking to God about it. 
No, you've been talking at God about it, but you haven't really prayed about it maybe. When in reality, we've been doing a lot of talking, but not doing listening. And here's the thing. If I'm going to go before God, and Jesus taught this, and we don't like Jesus' prayers, to be honest with you. And when Jesus teaches how to pray, it's hard that it swallows sometimes because he, he says that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is about to go to the cross. Hey, you know, if there's a way we, we don't have to do it this way, Father, but nevertheless, his heart was this. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will, right? We understand that. And I think the issue is our prayer life a lot of times doesn't involve that level of real surrender and humility. We go to God with what we want, and that's what we're holding on to. And if there's any way possible that his will may be different than that, we don't want to swallow it. We can't handle it. <laughs> we can't let go. It may be that what he wants to do is totally different than what we want, and now we're in conflict unless we can surrender and say, whatever you say is the way that we got to do this, and that's what I'm going to be all right with. Because ultimately, I want to be blessed, and that is within your will. Now, the Old Testament prophets dealt with this all the time because, see, here's the issue. Even within the body of believers, there can be false teachings popping up and false teaching and false prophets because people have itching ears and desires, and they are going to appeal to those things always. Jeremiah and Ezekiel was dealing with this when Israel was in captivity in Babylon, and there were all these false teachers telling them, God loves you. His plan for you is perfect. He would, he's not going to leave you here. He's going to get you out of here. And you just need to, you know, wait and, 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 and claim that and all that kind of stuff because he wants to deliver you from this. In Ezekiel chapter 1, pick it in verse 3, and the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe to the foolish prophets who follow, notice this, their own spirit and have seen nothing. Whoa. And we can go through that. And I'll let you do that in your own time. God said, Ezekiel, go and tell those false prophets who ain't seen nothing from me but a prophesying out of their own spirit that this is what I have to say. Jeremiah nails the thing in Jeremiah chapter 29 and first service turned there. I mean, if you can turn there quickly, that's on you. If you don't want to, I'm just going to read it. But Jeremiah was writing to the captives who were in Babylon, who the false teachers were telling that they weren't going to stay there long. And God is going to deliver you. And that's what they wanted. They wanted to go back to Jerusalem, back to the land of Judea. And that's what they were believing. And there's always, Satan's always going to have false prophets that tell you what you want to hear always. And so Jeremiah writes in chapter 29, picking up verse 4, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, and all who were carried away captive, to all who were carried away captive, excuse me, so word of the Lord to the captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem to Babylon. Uh-oh. So the first thing Jeremiah identifies is you here because God put you there because you wasn't listening to begin with. And that's a hard thing to swallow because we never want to, we never want to realize that the bad situation that we might be in is because we were being rebellious and not listening to begin with to what God was telling. That's a different teaching. But that's how he begins. Or verse 5, it says, build houses, dwell in them, plant gardens, and eat their fruit. Take wives and begat sons and daughters. And then it gets worse. 
and take wives for your sons and daughters. Uh Uh-oh, that sounds like a long time. And give your daughters husbands so that they may bear sons and daughters that you may increase there and not diminish. So first of all, it is alluding to something here. And then verse 7, and seek the peace of that city where I have caused you to be carried away. But I don't want to be here. This is not what I want. It's not what I'm praying for. I don't want to be here, so I don't want to seek the peace of this place. You know, and that, that's a bit of rebellion at times. In other words, this is not what I want to get on, but, you know, maybe when God places you somewhere, and he does, he's called you as a believer to make a difference while you are there, while you're waiting for him to do something different, because often he ain't going to move until you've settled down and surrendered in the situation he's put you in anyway. And make a difference there. Be life there be a redeemer of the things that are going on as we're called to be salt and light and bear the fragrance of Christ even in the place you don't want to be in that's kind of what he's alluding to they don't want to be there and the false prophets tell them that they're going to be leaving he goes on to say seek the peace of that city where I've caused you to be carried away and pray to the Lord for it for in its peace notice you will have peace they won't even experience peace until their heart is settled down where God has them, and they begin to seek the peace of those around them. That's a hard one to swallow, because in our rebellion, we're like, man, I don't want nothing to do with this, and you can be mad at God and stuff, and not settling down and allowing him to work in your life. Verse 8 in Jeremiah chapter 29 says, for thus says the Lord, "Uh uh-oh, wait a minute, the God of Israel, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are in your midst deceive you, nor listen to your dreams which you have caused to be dreamed, and that's an interesting statement, caused to be dreamed, because we have desires for things and itching ears for things. Sometimes it's very easy to give platform to false teachers. He says, for they prophesy falsely to you in my name. I have not sent them, says the Lord. And then it gets worse. In verse 11, uh, 10, God says, for thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, you will visit, uh, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you. God just lost a whole bunch of people right there. That ain't what I want. Did he say 70? Maybe Jeremiah missed that part. Maybe he meant seven days, seven weeks, even seven months. Seven years, maybe, but 70 years? The false teacher said we leaving next week. <laughs> 70 years? And then, ladies and gentlemen... The verse that all the false teachers loved is quote, verse 11, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. That's the verse that they always quote and never tell that it's tied to them having to wait 70 years because they were disobedient anyway to the Lord. And so now he's placed them in Babylon and he says, settle down because you're going to be here until I'm done. Nobody likes that. That's the pill I can't swallow. That's the answer to prayer I didn't want to hear. That's why I didn't pray to begin with, because I didn't want to hear that kind of stuff. But that's the reality sometimes of when we're having a horrible prayer life and not receiving the wisdom of God is because our heart, we have a bad attitude, our heart stink, because we're not surrendering to the place where we can simply say, Lord, not my will, but your will. Well, I don't want to be single that long, and I don't want to work at this company that long, and I don't want to be stuck in this situation. This is not what I want, and it's not what I've been asking and believing God for. 
whoa. At the end of the day, what we come to realize is, that, you know what? The reality of it is, it actually doesn't have anything to do with you. But it has everything to do with him. And if we are his servants, then we got to come to a realization of that. Or we're never going to experience the peace of God and really truly be used by God. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. Whatever, look, it doesn't matter. We're painting walls at a place we don't even plan to stay at. Because <laughs> if we leave, we're going to leave it really nice. But if we stay, it's going to look really nice. It doesn't even matter at the end of the day. Oh, my Lord, you mean to tell me that his wisdom is crying out, but I'm not hearing it because it might be saying that which I don't want to hear? So I've closed my heart to it? Yeah, that's a possibility. Well, you mean God could actually be speaking and we could be missing the whole point. So then we search YouTube for somebody that'll say it the way we want it. And we, but we spend entire, we're not making any traction because we're, we're being encouraged by people who are saying what we want to hear. We agree with what they're saying, but it ain't God's truth. So nothing ever changes. Oh my Lord. So this is what we have to be very careful with. Moses got found himself in this situation. God said, you ain't going in the promised land, Moses. You misrepresented me before the people, and I can't let you go into the promised land. Moses kept trying to reason with God about that thing, and finally Moses had to confess that God told him, don't ask me about that anymore. <laughs> I'll put you on a mountain and let you, gl- get you glance over the valley and get a glimpse, but you ain't going in there, Moses. You can't go in there. <laughs> Dang, you know, G- look, Jesus, look, Jesus loves us. But the cross wasn't his favorite thing to do. He wasn't looking forward to the cross in that way. But nevertheless, Jesus being perfect, no sin, nevertheless, not my will, but your will. And I think that until we individually, me, all of us included, can get to a point where we can just surrender to the will of God for our lives, we won't experience all the blessings of God. Where you are right now, you need to find some contentment in the Lord until he changes and does something different so that you can finally be used by him. Because you had a, maybe not you, I'm not trying to say it was you in particular, but I have had a bad attitude at some places he put me. And I stayed there maybe longer than I needed to. I don't know. But I didn't, I didn't get to enjoy the place until I finally said, you know, what's yours. I remember when it happened at First Citizens Bank. And people thought I was weird. I got to a place where I was good. I mean, God is good. My family, my church, I'm, I'm blessed. You know, I wasn't, this church hadn't started yet at the time. We were still going to the other Calvary. And I, I was, man, I was, they, I was just good. I was content. I would go to work, and they were stressing and competing for the promotion. And I was just, like, at peace. I would leave at the end of the day. And they would, they would, I would look at them, and I would say, hey, peace. Lord willing, I'll see you tomorrow. I'm good. If the rapture happened, I won't. I mean, I, and I would go home and have dinner. I mean, I wouldn't worry about it. I, did, I stopped taking work home. It didn't matter anymore. I worked hard, gave it a, I mean, I did what I was supposed to do, got more promotions after I had peace than ever before. But I realized, man, man this, is, hey, this is where God's got me, so I'm going to do what I'm supposed to do while I'm here. And this is what you have to come to a place for as well. Because look, wisdom is the great equalizer. Verse 5 is showing us that the arrogant fool needs to come off of his pedestal he's built for himself in order to be able to receive the wisdom of God. And the simple, the simple just has to be open to what's right before him in the Lord. And it brings them both to even plan field. And that's what we need to know. And, And look, here's how I know. Here's how I know God has placed wisdom for everybody to get. Because it refers to Jesus Christ is what it's being personified as. And Jesus placed himself 
where everybody could get to glimpse him because he was born into the most common of people and the first people to see him after Mary and Joseph was the most common folk, the shepherds. He wasn't born in the palace. He wasn't born amongst the elites. He was born where common folks could come and glance at him and get to know him. That's how he lived. That's how he walked. That's how he is. And his wisdom is the same way. If you don't have the wisdom of God, you've got to reevaluate. You've got to test your heart. You've got to surrender. You've got to get some stuff right because God is trying to speak to you. Now, not only that, God's wisdom is always right. Verses 6 through 8 says, listen, for I will speak of excellent things. And from the opening of my lips will come right things. I like that. I will speak of excellent things. I mean, right off the surface, we understand excellent things are good things. For some reason, though, in the Hebrew, it, is, it refers to like a, a leader or a, a noble or a military leader who is noble and faithful. Kind of like a servant leader would be faithful. Um, growing, you know, my kids have grown up in our house. We don't watch our movies, but my son's an adult now. And what happened is that there's a movie that every father likes to watch with his son. You know, there's many, but there's one I just, I, we, it's time. We got to watch it. And it was Gladiator. <laughs> we, it was a long day. We just needed to see some swords swinging and, and heads flying. And it was just one of those days. <laughs> But we're watching this thing, and, you know, it's this clear picture of the fact that he's able to command men because he was a man who would go out in front. And and this actually implies one who is a servant leader who will go out front and lay down his life, and men respond to that. And so wherever he went, even as a slave, the men would rally because he was that kind of person. And then I begin to think, that's, look, the Bible says that the one who is always faithful, the one who came not to be served, but to serve is Jesus Christ. He is the always faithful one, the scripture says. He's the one that goes out front. Remember, we see that. They're coming to arrest him. He goes out front in the gospel of John to protect his disciples. Whom are you seeking? Jesus is Nazareth. I am. And they fell on their backs so he could protect his disciples. And when he returns, he's riding out front on this horse. He's the one who goes out front. How do we know he's faithful? Because he went to the cross. He laid his life down. And so it's personified, you know, this excellent things, the, the most noble things, those, those things which we can all rally behind. He says, I will speak of excellent things. And from an open, the opening of my mouth, my lips, it says, will come right things. In other words, things that are straight forward and upright come from the wisdom of God. Nothing tainted about it. Verse 7 says, for my mouth will speak truth. And wickedness is an abomination to my lips. My mouth will speak truth. The word of God, the wisdom that comes from the Lord is always truth. It's always right and it's always pure. One of the things that I've learned through the years, whether it's seeking advice around something like finances, which which you've been learning in the book of Proverbs or, or whatever, is even that the people listen, even the counsel that I receive of people that I might listen to is as important to me. God taught me it's as important to me that their heart be right with him than it is what they're saying be right. In, in, in other words, I don't want to line myself up with people who are not lining up with him. You know, because there's a lot of places where we can seek counsel out there. And don't get me wrong. There's some good people that have good wisdom that may not love the Lord. 
But at the end of the day, God has been teaching me, no, 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 be careful with those things. Because notice it says here in verse 7, wickedness is an abomination to my lips. Like right now, I won't even, once a person, once profanity is coming, and once there's wickedness, once there's compromise, nah, I don't want to receive from that expert who is an expert in his field. I kind of like, yeah, maybe not. I, wanna, I just want to listen to the old faithful believer who's been consistently doing the things that God has stated. Because at the end of the day, you know, that's the kind of counsel I want to have in my life. And I want to be careful uh, not to entertain other things. And it goes on. Before I go, uh, Proverbs 22, 17 through 21 says, Incline your ear to hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is pleasant, it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips. So what I receive and what I say should be good. And verse 19 says, so that your trust may be noticed in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsels and knowledge? Yeah, God has written it. Verse 21, that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth, that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you what we receive and what we give out. Now, one of the things that we have learned in the book of Proverbs and is in this chapter as well. We mentioned wisdom and understanding. And they all speak, listen, they all speak to someone who's become skilled at seeking and finding out the wisdom of God and applying those things in the situations within their life. And that's what we're uh, looking to do and learning to do. And so the word of God, listen, always speaks truth and, and there's no wickedness and abomination in it. And we need to be sensitive to that because verse 8 says, all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. And so there's a call to purity that goes alongside with the word of God in little things. Not in little, you know, uh, 90% there, but a little compromise here in the, in, in whether it's in the workplace or in business or in counsel or in speaking. Just no, 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 no. Cast it all aside. The wisdom of God is right always and it's pure. And just uh, with one minute to go, God's wisdom is the most valuable thing upon the earth we see in verses 9 through 11. Let's touch on a little bit of it as we close. It says, there are all... They are all plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. I love that. And it is for those who understand, to those who find it, it's, it's perfect. It makes sense. It's understandable. It's attainable. Um, and, and it's something that we can receive. And I love that about the word of God. God is not, we used to always say, I used to always hear back in the day, when it comes to the word of God, put the cookies on the shelf where, where the kids can reach them, right? Y'all ever heard that before? Yeah, you don't. You don't want to put them up high where they can't, you know, reach them because then it's going to be a mess. Yeah, put them, put them where they can reach them anyway. So uh, God always does that. He makes, listen, he makes his wisdom obtainable and plain because we're seeking after it. And so then in verse 10 it says, receive my instruction and not silver and knowledge rather than choice gold. In other words, the wisdom of God is the most important thing upon the earth that we can find. And we need to seek it out and obtain it because you can have someone who is very wise, a Ph.D., as I told you before, and be a fool. 
And you can take someone with the wisdom of God and they will consistently build their life upon the rock, which is Christ. Um, For wisdom is better, he says in verse 11, than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. There's something that the Bible is saying about the wisdom of God's word that is better and outpace everything else in this life. Everything else in this life, because everything else in this life will absolutely, according to scripture, burn up. Is there a such thing as global warming? According to the Bible, it will be a very quick warming when God is done. And he'll burn it up and start over. And that's where we're all headed. And so as we are going through this life, look, what we are desiring, what we're, even when we don't realize that what we need is the truth of God's word, the Lord Jesus Christ himself active in our lives and every area of our lives so that we can grow in the Lord and even experience the peace of the Lord. So I hope there's something you took from chapter, this first part of chapter 8. And we'll pick it up when we come back together next week. We'll review 9 through 11 and dive into verse 12 when we come back together. Bow your heads and settle down for just a moment before we leave. If there's anyone in the room today that would say, I don't know the Lord Jesus, uh, this wisdom you talk about is not what I am experiencing. And if you would bow your head for me and close your eye just for, you know, give, give people a little bit of privacy. And if that's you and you desire today to say, you know, I want to give my all to Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sin. I want to begin a journey with him. I want to be able to hear his voice. I want to be able to know the one who went out front and laid his life down for me. And I want my life to be built upon him. And if that's you, then simply raise your hand where you are with just you only maybe looking up so that I know who I'm praying for. If there's one in here today and I want to miss that one, Um, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Now, if there's any today that's struggling with their heart and, and the Holy Spirit checked you today, you know, your prayer life is, is trashed because you maybe are not willing to just let the Lord have his way. And so it's hindering your ability to communicate with him and receive from him. And, and, and it's in the way. And maybe he showed that to you today. And that's a big deal. You know, are you teachable? Are you one who can say, you know what, whatever you want, God, I'm done. The day I got baptized in the Holy Spirit was the day I said, I'm done. I'm done with my way. However you want to do this thing is how how we'll go with it. I'm done. And something happened that day, and it's been amazing what God has done since then. If that's you, if you need that today, hey, raise your hand. The the Lord will give the Spirit. His hand's all over the room. The Lord gives His Spirit to those who are in need. And he wants to pour those things into you. So, Father, I do pray you see all of the hands, all of the hearts that are open right now in this room, Lord God. And I pray that you would flood them, Lord God, today with the presence of your Holy Spirit and the power of your Holy Spirit in this this time of their life, this season. Maybe some have experienced it before and have dried out. Maybe others have not actually experienced it, Lord God, but they are open to what you may do. Father, I pray that you would have your way in them. Even those, Lord, as some have been receiving gifts and you're doing some new works in some lives, Lord, in the church, Lord, I pray that they would be open to what you would do, Lord, by your spirit. Not our will, not our plan, not, not just what we want, Lord. We want what you want. We want it your way because that's the best way. And those who are willing to say that to you today, Lord God, I pray that you would do an amazing work in their lives, Lord. Thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. And let's sing on our way out. God bless you all.